get into God's Word here tonight. Again, we're in Matthew 24. Uh, I think this is about our sixth or seventh study. And, you know, we've deliberately just kind of taken our time through this because these are very important issues. Because remember, this is Jesus at Passion Week, and uh, he's going to the cross in just a few days. And it's where the disciples ask him, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And the Lord just goes into great detail, uh, you know, about things leading up to uh, the end of the age. It seems these first four, four, first uh, 14 verses, you know, many believe this is in regards to the time we're living in right now, where he says uh, in verse 8, all these are the beginning of sorrows. And we've talked about it uh, extensively. This is, you know, the word for birth pains and how they will come more uh, rapidly and more intensely. And we've looked at these things, and indeed, we're seeing that happen. Um, now, uh, maybe the Lord's coming farther down the road, and these things will even get more intense. They, they will, you know, as he delays his coming, his timing will be perfect. So who knows? Maybe we're just seeing the beginning of this. I don't know. I mean, there's going to be some, some, some gnarly birth pains if that's the case, uh, as, as we've touched on so much here that we're seeing unfolding. So uh, let's just start on verse 4 and read back down through verse 13. And again, a uh, lot of Bible studies we looked on these first verses, and then we'll jump into verse 14. So Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will, re- will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, and again, boy, that's a hot topic right now, the love of many will grow cold. And then last week we looked at verse 13, and, and I think it's been the best study we've had in the sense of just encouragements for us and exhortations. It says, but he who endures to the end will be saved. And we talked about the endurance found in Christ. And then we were going to get to verse 14 last week. We touched on it, but we really didn't get deep into it. But the Lord, you know, it throws this out here as just, just a, a, a gem. You know, it, it, you know we, we sang refiner's fire and uh, you know, it, it, that's the picture of, of gold or silver being refined and the dross taken out, and then you get the, the, the precious metals. And I look at that in the midst of this. You look at these things, and it's almost like a, you know, at a fire. And then verse 14, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached, and all the world is a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. And, you know, it, we'll, we'll get into this, but just, just, it just popped in my head here. You know what? We're the ones that are called to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And this is God telling us right in the midst of all of this that we have a prominent place in this day that we are living in to be representing the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's an exciting thing. And that should really, you know what, uh, prepare our hearts to really just break down this verse and and look at some things here uh, in regards to the context of of, uh, the passage here and the New Testament. So I think the first thing we need to ask is what is the gospel of the kingdom? Uh, we know gospel, it means good news. And unfortunately, oftentimes, and, and we'll talk more a little bit about this in detail here in a minute, oftentimes when we talk about the gospel or the good news, there's a whole lot of people with kind of a whole lot of opinions of what that is and a whole lot, lot, lot of ideas and so forth, when really it shouldn't be the case. Because the word of God makes it very, very clear what the gospel is now listen there's a lot of things that come with the gospel after you get born again that are also good news but there's only one gospel there's only one good news of jesus christ in the sense of how it's delivered in the scriptures and i think the clearest description of what the gospel is uh, is found in first corinthians 15 because it's just broken down here beautifully and this is the holy spirit speaking this to us as he moved upon holy men and he wrote the word of god and that's so important because again we're going to touch on a minute a lot of individuals today saying the gospel's something different than this or it's this plus something else and it's just not the case notice here first corinthians 51 paul wrote moreover brethren 
I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you. So he says, this is the gospel which I preach. And then he breaks it down for us. He says, which you also received and which you stand. And then notice here, verse 2, by which you are saved if you hold fast the word which I preach to you unless you believed in vain. So he's about to tell us what the gospel is. And he says here, you are saved through believing this gospel message. Now, this doesn't mean that you just believe this is, you know, a true or something factual. The word believe here, it is talking about entrusting your heart to, entrusting your life to, entrusting your eternity to. And notice what he says here, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. Again, he says, this is the gospel as I received it. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Listen, with sin comes the bad news. We got good news here in the gospel of Jesus Christ, but there's got to be bad news or what? It's just news, right? To have good news, there has to be bad news. And the bad news is that we are all sinners, all of us out here tonight. Any hearing as well, as I heard someone say, I hope the neighbor is here. Listen, we are all sinners. We've all transgressed God's law, and the wages of that sin is death, separation from God for all of eternity if we die in our sins. But listen, the good news starts with this. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. The word of God prophesied that the Messiah would come, Emmanuel, God with us. He would come via a virgin. He would live a sinless life. And indeed, Jesus Christ did. And he went to the cross of Calvary to take the wrath due each one of us upon himself. And listen, that is incredibly good news. Now, some people say, how could one man die for the sins of the entire world? Well, listen, sin came through one man when Adam sinned in the garden, and salvation comes through one man in Jesus laying down his life right by a garden in a place called Golgotha. He paid the penalty of our sins. And then notice what it says next, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. These things were all prophesied in the Old Testament. Again, when man sinned in the garden, immediately the Lord gave the promise of the Savior who was going to come. Remember there, man went and he tried to hide and then he covered himself with fig leaves. It was really man trying to hide his sin in his own effort and it does not work. And the Lord gave the promise of the Savior who would come through the seed of the woman and though the serpent would bruise his heel, that Savior would crush his head. And it was a prophetic word about the Messiah coming through a virgin. There'd be more detail about that through the prophet Isaiah. Some say, well, why a virgin? Why couldn't uh, Rob Bell in one of his horrific books once said, why couldn't Jesus just have a father named Larry? It's like, this dude don't get the gospel. Listen, if Jesus' father was Larry and was just another guy, he was born with the sin nature and he couldn't die for our sins. We needed the Holy Spirit to overshadow, again, a virgin so Christ could be born the son of man to die for mankind, but also to be born without a sin nature. You know what? Like, unlike we have, we're all born sinners. We're born in sin. So that's why the Lord came again through the seed of woman. The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and again, tempted in every way, yet he did not sin. And when he went to the cross of Calvary, he paid the penalty of our sins according to the scriptures. And then the word of God also prophesies about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Prophesies about that in the Psalms, that he will not leave his holy one in Hades. Jesus showed us how the book of Jonah is a prophetic book about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because remember when the Pharisees came to Jesus, hey, we want a sign. Jesus gave them sign after sign after sign after sign after sign. But we want a special sign. And remember he said a wicked and a perverse generation seeks for a sign. He says the only sign that's going to be given to you is the sign of Jonah. As Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth three days and three nights. The Lord showed us where prophetically the Word of God says that the Lord, again, would be like Jonah three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. And indeed, he rose again from the dead on the third day. And in doing that, listen, he defeated sin and death and Satan. Because the wages of our sin is death. 
It is spiritual separation from God who is holy, who does not commune with sin. Listen, sin's not going to, you know what, make it to heaven. And that, that's a, a praise on one hand. Praise God that my sin and my old nature is not going to be in glory. Otherwise, I'd run heaven for all you guys. And so would you if that was the case. Listen, that's not the case. Rebellion will not be there. Even the temptation of sin will no longer be there. We'll have eternity with the Lord forever and ever and ever in a sin-free state, and it's going to be glorious. God's not going to bring rebellion in. Remember, man rebelled. I want to be my own God. That's not going to be the case at all. So he rose from the grave, and he defeated sin and death and Satan and hell, the wages of our sin. That, again, through faith in him, through believing in him. Do you believe in him tonight? Is he your Lord? Can you say amen to that? Then listen, there is good news This is the best news in the world. We have salvation from the wrath of God, from eternal hell, through what Christ has done for us and putting our faith and anchoring our hope in him. And then Paul says as well here, listen, he rose again the third day according to the scriptures and that he was seen by Cephas and then by the 12 and that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. And so he says, look at here's a stack of witnesses that can attest to all these things, that this unfolded exactly as, the, as God said it would in the scriptures, it did, and we are witnesses to all of these things. And this is, this is the good news or the gospel of the kingdom, and that it is the good news that will get you into the kingdom of God, and there is no other way. There is no other way. And some, some say that's, oh, that's narrow-minded, that's bigoted. No, Jesus Christ said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. And the reason for that is Jesus Christ is the only one that dealt with the thing that separates us from God. It is our sin. It is our rebellion. And the Lord took care of it upon the cross. And if you haven't put your faith and trust in him, listen, today's the day of salvation. And now is the acceptable time to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now remember again in this passage, as Jesus was asked, what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? Remember, we've already read it three times and it comes up a fourth time. He says, don't be deceived. There's a lot of deceivers And we know in the scripture that it says evil men will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And sadly, even when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we read of false gospels already spreading in the day of the early church. Many of the epistles are written to combat false gospels that were already springing up. And we read that again, in the last days, there would be an epidemic of false teachers, false prophets, and false gospels. And we were warned, we were warned not to follow after these things or even to put up with them. Notice what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11.3. He says, but I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Again, this is a simple, it's the deepest thing in the world, yet the simplest thing in the world, that Jesus died for our sins and rose from the grave. It's as simple for a three-year-old to understand it and put their faith in the Lord, and then the depths of it, you can marvel at it, and you can study it till the day that you pass, and you'll still just be scratching the surface, because it reveals the awesomeness of God and the great love of God to us. But he says here, so that your mind... I I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes, notice here, preaches another Jesus whom we haven't preached, or if you receive a different, different spirit which you have not received, notice here, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. A different gospel. He says, I fear that You know what, someone's going to come, one of these false teachers, and present a different gospel, and you might put up with it. Versus going, no, no, we don't put up with this. We know what the gospel is. We know who Jesus is as described in the scripture. We know who the Holy Spirit is, and we have been called not to put up with these things, but instead put these things out. 
in hopes, first of all, that any peddling these things or deceived by these things would repent. God's called us to walk in love, to walk, you know, in a heart that would show mercy and compassion, but absolutely not to allow such things to kind of hang around and promote themselves and fester and grow like leaven and so forth. And again, we talked a lot about this in this study. Now listen, sadly, there are false gospels that again are all over the place, uh, even tonight as we're gathered here. And, and one of probably the biggest ones right now that is maybe you could say even roaring today and has incredible steam, it is the false social gospel. It is just all over the place. And sadly, you're seeing more and more evangelical, and evangelical is supposed to mean Bible-believing, but more and more evangelical Christians and churches either fully embracing this or making provisions for it in the sense that they're putting up with it versus saying, we are putting this out. We're not going to fall in line with these things that are not biblical. Now, if you don't know what the social gospel is, uh, basically, this is what it is. Listen, sin isn't the transgression of God's law. Sin is an injustice. And again, there's injustices all over the world, but you know they describe sin as an injustice. Jesus is not our savior. Jesus instead is our example of how to practically minister to an injustice. Not talking about dying on the cross for our sins, but going out and again, focusing in more on his miracles, signs and wonders, feeding the 5,000. You know, Jesus was a social worker, basically is how they categorize Christ. Salvation, again, isn't putting faith in Christ to be saved from your sin, but salvation instead is the action of tending to an injustice. And listen, hell is injustices on earth and not addressing them. That is the social gospel in a nutshell, and absolutely it is exploding today where oftentimes there's more focus in on this than the actual real gospel of Jesus Christ as presented in the word of God. And the more that you focus in on a false gospel and you ignore the real gospel, the more eventually where you'll be completely in the camp and the gospel will become something to you that it isn't at all. Now we can look at these things and have you scratched your head at all? Maybe in the last couple months and you say, how did we get here? How do we get to this place? How do we get to the place? Not that this stuff's raging, you know, out in the streets of, of, of our cities, but how do we get to the place where there's so many churches embracing this? And listen, there is a big difference between addressing issues of prejudice, addressing issues of, you know what, if you want to call it racism. Listen, those things exist absolutely but moving from taking those things and, again, a lot of opinions on what really is the case out here in our culture and making that the main thing, but worse than that, addressing it through the narrative, again, of a fallen world and a false gospel like this versus saying, biblically, what should we be doing about this? How about number one, and we'll touch on the verse in a minute here, educating everybody that there are, there's only one race, the human race. Isn't that a great place to start? Uh, Darwin had it wrong, uh, and yet we're, we teach that to all our kids, different races evolving at different times. How about talking about the issue of reconciliation that's found in the Lord Jesus Christ? How about talking about the issues of forgiveness and so forth and how you get liberated when you forgive and when you don't, you're going to play the victim and be victimized for the rest of your life. That's just the truth. Some people might not like that. Steve, you don't know what you're talking about. That's what the word of God says. God's word addresses all these things. And yet you see so much of the church pushing the Bible to the side. Oh, we, we apologize for these things. And let's, you know what, take up the lie of the day of the social gospel of injustices. Jesus was a social worker. Salvation comes through addressing all this stuff. And it's not even to say that there's not a time to address things. Listen, as a fellowship, we do a lot of things to, you know, try to help people practically, but it's always a platform to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Because what's a profit a man if you help, some with, you help him with a meal or, you know what, you help them in some practical way, but you don't give them the good news of Jesus. To me, that's the greatest injustice at all, of all. If as a Christian, you know the gospel, 
and you go to help somebody and you don't share the good news with them? What's just about that? What's loving about that? Now, again, how do we get to this place? I'm going to tell you how we got there. Jude, verse 3 and 4 says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered for all the saints, or to the saints. Notice here, for certain men have crept in a notice who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord and our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, listen, I wanted to talk to you about our common salvation, but instead, I got to exhort you to go contend for the faith because men are creeping in unnoticed who are perverting the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're slipping in as wolves and sheep's clothing. And I'll tell you, this issue with the social gospel and it being embraced in so many corners of the evangelical church, if, you know, what, what does that even mean nowadays, evangelical church? Again, it didn't just happen. You know how this happened? Back in the 80s, 90s, there was something called the church growth movement that exploded. And you had all of these organizations, they're going to tell you how to grow your church. And it wasn't go preach the gospel, love people, get together, pray and worship and let God add to the church as the Holy Spirit moves. But it was all these techniques and so forth to get people through the doors and not offend them and really it moved the church to being more of a social place where you addressed issues but you really didn't get into the core issues of a heart of a man and get into the word of God. Well, listen, after a while, that people grew weary of that because it really, you know, it wasn't getting to the heart of anything. Out of that came what was called the emergent church, which began to dabble in mysticism and, you know, at new age types of medi- meditations and, you know, at uh, more of an intimate gathering together while still being uh, uh, in that place of not fully embracing God's word and being very ambiguous about all kinds of issues that God's word is very clear on and then what came out of that really is this birthing of what's called the social gospel you know it's like stepping stones from one thing to the other to the other because now we've gotten so far away from god's word and we've gotten to a place of so much wanting to appease the world in an effort to try to grow a church or to minister to people's needs outside of just looking to the word of god and then the explosion of again uh, uh, of social injustice and emerging of the two and that false gospel being birth. But listen, and I'm not judging this guy's heart. I'm not a fan of him at all. I think he's done horrendous things to the body of Christ. But listen to this. These were the kind of things that were being written 10, 12, 15 years ago. This, this is an article. I'm only going to read a few paragraphs of it by a guy named Tim Keller. Some of you might be familiar with him. And he wrote this for the leadershipjournal.net. And I I thought it should be called Leading the Church Astray, journal.net. But notice what he says here. He says, the gospel has been described as a pool in which a toddler can wade and yet an elephant can swim. It's both simple enough to tell a child and profound enough for the greatest minds to explore. Indeed, even angels never tire of looking into it. Humans are by no means angels, however, so rather than uh, contemplating it, we argue about it. Not a bad. Right. Uh, my back. Okay. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> so anyway, he says instead of contemplating it we argue about it now notice what he says here next just two more paragraphs a generation ago evangelicals agreed on the simple gospel remember we just read there in in second corinthians uh he says i fear lest somehow as a serpent deceive you by his craftiness so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in christ and he says here a generation ago evangelicals agreed on the simple gospel and this is really clear here God made you and wants to have a relationship with you, number one. Number two, your sins separate you from God. Number three, Jesus took the punishment your sin deserves. Number four, if you repent from sin and trust in him for your salvation, you'll be forgiven, justified, accepted by grace, 
and dwelt with his spirit until you die and go to heaven. That's as clear as can get, right? We'd all agree, yeah, that's the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. But then listen what he says next and what he validates next. He says, there are today... You want to turn that on? Testing, testing, testing. Check, check, check. There we go. He says there are at least two. Oh, my goodness. Maybe, maybe. Testing, testing. Okay. I, I, I was an MC back in the day, so I can handle this. You hear, can you hear me? All right. He says there are today at least two major criticisms of this simple formulation. So it, it, it's, it's, you know, kind of a looking down on the gospel. This is just a simple thing. He says, many say that it is too individualistic, that Christ's salvation is not so much to bring individual happiness as to bring peace, justice, and a new creation. A second criticism is that there is no one simple gospel because everything is contextual or contextual, and the Bible itself contains many gospel presentations that exist in tension with each other. That is a big, fat, stinking lie that a guy in a high place with a big name that has a whole lot of foolish ideas crept into the conversation. When it should have said, no, 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 let's not be deceived by, this, but by the serpent and moved away from the simplicity of the gospel, but instead learned fellows came along, you know, deep thinkers and so forth, and they have a criticism of the simple gospel. You know what? It's too individualistic. Listen, Jesus died for individuals. Isn't that good news? This needs to be about peace and justice, a new creation. Again, there's no one simple gospel. Absolutely, there is. There's one simple gospel. We are sinners. We're damned to hell. That's incredibly bad news. Jesus died on the cross for our sins, rose from the grave, and if you trust in him, you will be saved. And again, this is how we got to where we are. Things like this crept in, things like this not booted out, things like this growing like leaven until you get to the place when we see what's gone on in the country the last two, three months, all of these Christians or many of them have been conditioned to jump on board with this versus going, no, 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 this is not the gospel. And this is not how we even address these issues. We open up God's word and address these things biblically because cultures and nations do not change Outward, inwardly, they change inwardly, outwardly with the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, we got through the point with a microphone here, so. Number two there in your notes. <laughs> Listen, Jesus delays his return for the real gospel to be preached today so men can be saved. Again, notice here, he's got this at verse 14. And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, then the end will come. Jesus is not delaying his coming because the red heifer has to be discovered in Israel so the new temple could be made for the Antichrist. That's not what's delaying the Lord. Now, if you're familiar with that at all, Bible prophecy, you know what I'm talking about. A red heifer is involved, again, in temple worship for the Jews that are still under the old covenant. They need to get saved. And it's, a, it's, it's, so, it's interesting that they're trying to get the red heifer, but that's not delaying the Lord's coming. Listen, it will be the Antichrist temple. There's going to be a lot of fudging of the books in it. He's also not delaying his coming for, you know, what a vaccination to come forth with DNA altering nanobots, nanobots and us forced to take it. That's not delaying his coming. There's one thing delaying the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what it is? He wants to see people get saved. 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but rather that all should come to repentance. God's grace and God's mercy and God's compassion is that which delays his coming. Because notice that any, he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Any and all. Or, you know, as it said in the word, whoever will. 
Revelation 22, 17, the King James Version says, And the Spirit and the Bride says, Come, and let, all, let him who heareth say, Come, and let him who thirsts come. Whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. So whosoever will. Whosoever will express their will and say, I want to call on Jesus Christ. They are saved. They are born again. There's no partiality with them. Again, he doesn't want any to perish. He wants all to come to repentance. Let's read it in its context. Because some look at this and say, no, he's only talking about a few here. That's not what the text says. It says, if any, call on him. He will save them. Whosoever will. Oh, where's free will in the Bible? It's right there. Whosoever will. An expression of your will to put faith in Christ. Now listen, I know for a fact that God is the active party in our salvation. It starts with him calling us. We were lost in the darkness. But the Holy Spirit convicts all men of sin, righteousness, to judgment. And then they have the choice, will I exercise my will to put faith in him? Or will I exercise my will to go deep into the darkness and to reject him? Notice as well again in our text. The gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. Again, he desires all nations to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 2.4, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there's one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And all is all. And whoever is whoever, and any is any, whoever would call on his name. And he delays his coming in desire that all would come to that place, that the gospel would be preached to all nations, and there would be men and women and young people and old people in all places that would call upon the name of the Lord. Listen to Acts 17, 26 and 27. And he has made from one blood Every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries for their dwelling. So again, there's one race, the human race, one blood. The issue is not different bloods. We have different, you know, levels of melanin in our skin. It makes some darker and some lighter. What a petty thing to divide over when we come from one blood, when there is one race. He's made all of them. He's put them in their places. Why? So that they should seek the Lord in hopes they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. And that's delaying the Lord's coming. He wants to see people get born again saved. And you know what's awesome? We get a lot of insights into heaven in the book of Revelation. And we read in Revelation 5. I'm just going to read part of it. In Revelation 5, 9, it's underlined there in your notes. And you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nations. Isn't that glorious to know? It could be people from, you notice it doesn't say race here. Because that Bible, that word's not found in the Bible. But out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation that are all of one blood, descendants of Adam and Eve, there'll be people from all of them who've called on the name of Jesus Christ. And listen, this field... It's widened to harvest today because the Lord wouldn't delay his coming for the gospel to be preached if there were none getting saved. We're seeing people get born again. Do you know that? I, I had probably one of my coolest moments of, of the last three or four months on Sunday. I had a young man come up to me, and I've seen him here the last seven, eight weeks. And he came up, and you know, it, I'm like a goofy old guy, and he's like a young, cool guy. And he came up, and he just bear hugged me. I'm like, you want to wrestle, dude? I'll take you out. No, no, he just gave me a bear hug. And he said, I can't thank you enough. I got born again here this summer. I've come to faith in Jesus Christ. And he said, I'm going off to college. Will you pray for me? And he's going to watch online. He's probably watching tonight. God bless you, brother. You greatly encourage my heart. There's people that are getting saved today. We need to know that in the midst of all of this. God hasn't called us to shrink back. Again, we have a major place in this time that we are living in today to take the gospel out. Jesus said in Matthew 9.36, excuse me, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Boy, 
Today you look around, our world is very weary. They are very scattered. There's people that are absolutely just all over the place with no shepherds. And then the shepherds that they have generally are horrendous. The leaders of our world, man, there aren't a lot of godly ones out there. But then he said to the disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. So the harvest is plentiful. There's so many out there that need Jesus. It's the fields widen in a harvest. He says, therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Are you praying for that? We need to be praying God will send out laborers. And we also not got to understand we've been commissioned to go out. And then also, we need to be in prayer for just people. We just read God desires for all men to be saved, to come to the knowledge of truth. But before that, in 1 Timothy 2, 1, it says, Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplication, prayers, interception, inter, not interceptions, intercessions, and giving thanks be made for all men, for kings in a hall or in authority. And he goes on because God wants to save all men. So we need to be praying for all people, even kings and high authority. Those are just people. I know we get their agendas and their faces, you know, it crammed down our throats day after day. These are just people that need Jesus, along with our neighbors, along with these that we interact with, the ones we like, the ones we don't like. They all have something in common. If they don't know Christ, they need Christ. So we need to be praying in this time. This shouldn't be a time where prayer is trending down, but instead it's trending up. Also, we got to recognize that, again, we have been called to preach the gospel. We've been called to share the good news. You're here in part right now on this earth to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ with other people. That's what delays is coming. The gospel being preached to all nations. Notice Romans 10, 14 through 17. It says, how then shall they call on him who they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him who they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they're sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. Oftentimes in sharing the gospel, you know what? The enemy wants us to move to Oh, I'll be rejected. Or what will they think of me? Or, you know, there'll be a persecution. There might be. Generally, most people today are indifferent. You'll get a few angry folks and so forth. But hear this. There's going to be some people that respond. And they're going to say, your feet are beautiful because you shared the good news of Jesus Christ with me. And I can tell you this, that when we share the good news with others, our feet are always beautiful to the Lord. And that's phenomenal because feet are pretty much the ugliest part of the entire body, you know. Listen, one way for you to share the gospel, and, and we've been doing this forever as a church, an easy way to share the gospel, an easy way to get started in sharing the gospel is through simple gospel tracks. And, and right, again, in, in, you go through the patio, there's a little area before the foyer. We have all kinds of gospel tracks. This is one of my favorite ones. God's bridge to eternal life. And it just takes you page by page just through the simple gospel we talked about. We also got that in Spanish now. We got these in the other day. We got little comic ones, Spanish and English. You know what? These are great for kids. And then we also got the, the classic Jack Chick tracks. These are some of the best tracks. And what I usually do is if it's, you know, a, a, a grown adult that looks halfway mature, I'll give them the God's bridge to eternal life because, you know, it is pretty straightforward and so forth. If it's a kid or just an immature adult looking dude, which there's a whole lot of those, I'll go, hey, you like comic books? And they, also, they always go, yeah, I got a comic book for you. It's about the Lord. And they take that. And if it's a kid, then I'll maybe give them one of those Jack Chick runs or these ones geared to kids. Hey, I got something for you. It's about Jesus. It's so simple to do. Sometimes conversation comes out of that. Sometimes they just take it. Again, I've given away so many of these. I've only had one person ever reject it, and I put it down. I go, you're going to take that later, and I walked away. Other than that, listen, people are appreciative, especially in the day that we are in now. Let me ask you this. How many people have ever given you a gospel track? A lot of people have never gotten any. 
A lot of people never had anyone even come up to them and share Jesus with them. They came to the Lord through, you know, maybe they were raised in the church or someone invited them or maybe they saw some media thing. People appreciate it when you come and love to them out of a concern for their soul. And all this stuff we're reading about right here, yeah, we know there's strong delusions in the world, but we've talked about it throughout this. There are people asking questions more than they have probably in the entire time I've been in ministry, which has been quite a while, where people are wondering about what's going on in the world, and they're considering their lives. Let's capitalize on that. Absolutely. And you know what's awesome, too, is that some things that seem to be used to be unifying the world for this coming Babylonian system are our opportunities to evangelize it more. I, I heard the other day that right now they're, they're working on tech for your phone and they're thinking that it will be available within a year where you can speak your language in your phone and it will translate in a, in a, in a way that anyone in most of the other major languages and eventually they're going to get every language will understand what you are saying. What a great opportunity to take that to share the good news of Jesus Christ. But you know what? Tonight we got something better than tech to share the gospel. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus told the church in Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And then in the next chapter that came about, the Holy Spirit fell upon the church. The people were marveling as they spoke in tongues the things of God and the different languages that were there. And Peter says, don't marvel at this. This is what the prophet Joe said would come about. And he said, he went on, I'm going to paraphrase it, that in the last days God would pour his spirit out on all flesh, meaning that all Christians, listen, get sealed with the Holy Spirit. And he says, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your maidservants and your men servants and maid spirits, I'll pour out my spirit and they'll prophesy. And then he says in 21, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God wants to empower you with his Holy Spirit and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to deal with the fear, to, dear, to deal with all of our shortcomings. And we all have them. He wants to empower you. And you know who he empowers? Men servants and maid servants, people that say, Lord, I want to be used by you. He says, I can do something with a willing heart. I can do somewhat, something with someone yielded to me, someone that knows that they're called, and they say, Lord, I want to serve you. Again, these are simple things. Lord, fill me with your spirit. And God, forgive me where I've quenched the spirit. Help me to walk in a closer relationship with you and then to be, de be dependent upon you. Listen, when you go to share the gospel with people, you need to remember that God has written the things concerning him upon them already in Romans 1. The Holy Spirit convicts all men of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And again, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And he's given us the Holy Spirit in part to be able to be a witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world around us. Now, lastly here, again, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. Then the end will come. Praise God, an end is coming. <laughs> Next week, we're going to start getting into a lot of details about the tribulation, about the role of Israel. We'll look at lo a lot at Israel next week. We looked at the beginning of this of kind of an overview. The end is coming. Many believe that it will start with the rapture of the church. I hope that's the case. And then a seven-year tribulation where the Antichrist, who is going to appear as a false messiah, will make a covenant with Israel for seven years. And yet after that, judgment will be, begin to come from God. Wrath will begin to be poured out from God to show them this is all winding down. It's time to pick sides now. Revelation talks about the seal judgments that come. And then halfway through the tribulation, there's an event called the abomination of desolation. We're going to talk about that next week in great detail. When the Antichrist will show to Israel he is not the Messiah, and that he'll bring a sacrifice in that temple we alluded to tonight that's going to be erected probably overnight because they have everything in place to erect it overnight, uh, a tabernacle at least, he's going to bring a sacrifice that's going to be abominable to the Jews, that's going to bring a desolation to them. 
We read in Zechariah, two-thirds of the Jews will be killed, one-third will be spared. And that second half of the tribulation, that's when the mark of beast is instituted, that you have to have to buy, sell, or trade. And if you don't take that, they cut off your head, as there will be many tribulation saints. And then we read of trumpet judgments and bull judgments, where men are so in such torment that won't repent, they even go and crawl under the caves and cry out for the rocks to call upon them. That might be some of these bunkers that the, they say all the elitists have. I don't know. And then finally, there's going to be the literal second coming of Jesus Christ that we read about in Revelation, where the Lord's going to come down and the nations will be gathered together in, in the valley of Jezreel or Armageddon and Megiddo, thinking they're going to defeat God. Listen, and you know I'm going to say it. That's how stupid, stupid sin makes you. Thinking they're going to defeat God, but Revelation 19:15, out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he himself treads the winepress, the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, and he has a robe, and on his, th- and his thigh a name is written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And you know what's awesome? That even in the tribulation, the gospel is going to be preached. We're at a time right now, again, of preaching the gospel. But even in that time, the Bible even speaks, I'm not going to read it, but in Revelation 14, that an angel that's going to fly in the midst of heaven, it says, with the eternal gospel to preach, and he's going to be calling men to repent. That's how much God loves people and wants to see them get saved. It's phenomenal. It's incredible. And praise God at the end of this, and, and it's coming soon. And that's not just Pastor Steve's opinion. Jesus Christ said, behold, I am coming soon. That's Jesus Christ's opinion, and he's spot on. But a new beginning is going to come. The millennial reign of Christ for a thousand years, then a new heaven and a new earth. And I don't got time to read it, but later on, read through Isaiah 65, the verses that I have here, 17, down through 25. I'm just going to read it. I'm going to read it. Because it's so awesome. Look at this. For behold, I create a new heaven and a new earth. The former shall not be remembered or come to mind. Be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing and her people a joy. I will rejoice in new Jerusalem and joy in my people. The voice of weeping shall no longer be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. And then notice here. No, no, verse 20, no more shall an infant from there live but a few days, nor an old man has not fulfilled his days. For the child shall die at 100 years old, but the sinner being 100 years old shall be accursed. Verse 21, they shall build their houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build in another, uh, they shall not build and another inhabit it. They shall not plant and another eat it. For as the days of a tree, so shall be the days of my people. We got some old trees around here. He says, and my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth children for trouble. They shall be the descendants of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. It shall come come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they're still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt nor destroy in my holy mountain, says the Lord. Does that not sound like a good dispensation? And the Bible says that in Christ we'll rule and reign with them during that time. So again, the end's going to come, but it's going to bring forth a new beginning. And then the last verse I have for you, it's found in Romans Because it speaks of how creation itself is longing for this new beginning because it was put into bondage with man's sin. And it speaks here about how us in Christ also long for this new beginning. And I thought about this, and I mentioned this Sunday, I think in one of the services, and I thought about it again when I was studying this. On Sunday morning, we were praying, and all the birds, you know, we pray at 8 o'clock by the module over there, and all the birds, you just hear all the birds. They're, they're just, there's a lot of loud birds. And, and someone said in the prayer, Lord, just praise God, those birds are praising you. And absolutely, listen, creation 
absolutely gives praise to God. The Bible speaks about the stars giving praise to God. And we read here that creation yearns for the revealing of the sons of God. And I want to be, in the sense, like this in that I want to praise Him now. And I also want to, you know what, yearn for the coming of the Lord and have that right balance, right? So I rejoice in the day. I thank you, Lord, today. I exude the joy of the Lord today. I appreciate what God has blessed me with today. And at the same time, I know the good news of Jesus Christ, and I know what's coming. And I'm rejoicing in that. And I'm also even rejoicing that he delays his coming, not wanting any to perish. But notice here, Romans 8, 18 through 25, and then we'll close. And if there's any questions, we'll take a few minutes here. He says, For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which will be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. This speaks of man's sin, a curse came on the earth, but God even in that gave hope of the Savior that would loose us of all of this. Verse 21, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into glorious liberty of the children of God. And listen, look how beautiful creation is right now. That tree's in bondage. Can you imagine it when it's not? For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together into now, 23. And not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption of the redemption of our body. You have a backache in part tonight to yearn for the coming of the Lord and that body to be upgraded. For we are saved in this hope, but the hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So that goes back to what we looked at last week about enduring. We have so much to rejoice in tonight. Listen, in the days we're living in, don't get overwhelmed with all this stuff unfolding. Rejoice that God counted you worthy to be in this time to preach the good news of Jesus Christ and to know that we are getting closer and closer and closer to the coming of the Lord and absolutely this reign of Jesus Christ for a thousand years in a new heaven and a new earth. I think that's pretty exciting. I really do. And then to know that at the coming of the, the Lord for His church, again, those on earth will be transformed in the twinkling of an eye. It's not a new body, but it's going to be an upgraded version, an upgraded body like Jesus' resurrected body. No suffering, no pain, no backaches, none of that stuff. No cancers, no death, no sorrow. Again, as it should be if there had never been sin in the first place. That's pretty awesome. I, to me, that's a pick-me-up. About Is that a pick-me-up for you guys tonight? No COVIDs, none of that stuff, you know. Coronas, none of that, none of that stuff. Well, listen, we got a few minutes. Uh, I know we covered a lot here. But again, this stuff excites me. I love talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the coming of the Lord. I hope you're encouraged by this, edified. Maybe you got rebuked by something here. Receive that from the Lord. Test it by the scriptures and then respond accordingly. Listen, God brings correction to, again, bring forth fruit in our lives to bring us to a better place in Him. So any, any questions tonight just before we close up? We have a few minutes before the kids are going to be done. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. 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 So the question I do with verse 13, but he who endures to the end will be saved. And people saying that proves that you're saved not only by grace but by your works. Well, last week in our Bible study, the whole beginning of it was that those in Christ will endure. And we're given those promises in Jude. We're given those promises in the Gospels. 
where the Lord speaks of no one snatching us out of his hand. We looked at how the fact if someone strays in Christ, the Lord chases them down. He chastens them. He corrects them. He brings them back. So it's really something that the trials themselves reveal those who really had faith in the first place and those that professed a faith that wasn't a real faith. So we really got actually into that because I know that that is a corruption of the Scripture. Plus that even contradicts God's Word. The Bible says that we are saved uh, by grace uh, through faith and not of works, lest any man should boast. And then we're saved unto good works. And so the key in all of it is Christ and Him going before us, His patience with us, His long-suffering towards us, His, uh, you know what, uh, heart to again correct us, to chase us. And I think all of us tonight that are in Christ can attest that there have been times when we've strayed a bit and the Lord's chased us down. There's been times when He's corrected us, He uplifts us, He holds us, He sees us through, and He's going to do that to the end. So, you know, that would be a nutshell answer to that. And again, you know, I think last week we had a pretty awesome Bible study about the whole issue. And anyone that wants to know more about that, encourage them to, to go back and listen to that. So, anyone else tonight? Uh-huh. You don't want to follow it, do you? Okay, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, it's all over the place. I mean, there's a lot of discernment ministries that have, you know, done full-on uh, articles and books have been written and so forth. I know in our bookstore we have a lot of things that address a lot of the false gospels. We have a couple, a big rack out there with pamphlets from Lighthouse Trails. And I know that there are several of those that address the social gospel. Uh, and, you know, Berean Call, Dave Hunt's ministry, he passed away, but Tom McMahon uh, has that up now. They have stuff on it. There's a lot out there that really break it down. But, you know, I think outside of that, we, we just see it unfolding around us, you know. And so I, I get why you want to know more because it's so prevalent. So I could, I could talk to you afterwards and try to hook you up with some more resources. But that would be a good starting point, like if someone's watching um, you know, you could even, you know, Google's a wonderful thing in some sense, you know, where you just, you know, the false social gospel. And, you know, look around, make sure you're not at some nut jobs website there and, you know, test it. And like, just like tonight, the thing on Tim Keller. I knew that this guy had been peddling it. That took me like two minutes to find that article. I remember reading it a long time ago. It's just out there and as clear as can be. And again, I don't know that guy's heart, but you see, how did this, how did we get here? stuff like that back then it's real clear so that's a good question and hopefully that helps a little bit there yeah uh-huh uh-huh okay Right. So the question was, what about uh, prophetic, I guess, self-proclaimed prophetic ministries? Right. Well, here's the thing. Wherever there's something genuine, there's always a counterfeit. And the Bible says that we should pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, especially that we could prophesy. But we want to look at that in the biblical context. And prophecy or prophesying predominantly is speaking God's word and power. So tonight, when I come out here to, to, to share, I'm praying that I could teach, preach, and I'm praying there could be some prophetic utterance mixed in here where that penetrates some hearts and, and maybe some specific words for some folks that I'm not even aware that are being given. Sometimes I know that they are given, but it's always biblical. And so we should pray that when we share the gospel we talked about, that we are empowered by the Spirit, that we would share it in a prophetic way. I think of Samuel, it says, he was a prophet, not one of his words fell to the ground. So it's the idea that that impacted somebody. And the good news is you don't have to scream at someone to do that or wear a sandwich board sign and be real annoying with a bullhorn. So we should pray for that. Prophecy can also be the prediction of future events. 
But here's the thing. If someone is proclaiming to be a prophet like that, they better be 100% accurate if they say, thus saith the Lord, because God's not guessing about future events. He knows them. Uh, as far as what you're talking about, I mean, I'm familiar with that. I, I, I grew up uh, around a lot of that. And I think what happens is oftentimes there's people that start with a good intent. And, and unfortunately, oftentimes there's not enough sound Bible teaching. And it kind of starts becoming the thing that everyone does. And because of a lack of accountability uh, and wanting to tell people what they want to hear, you know, it, people say, well, I got a word for you. And it's more mustered up from themselves than from the Lord. And they're not being held accountable. And when it doesn't come about, there's not someone saying, hey, you know, the pastor or the church leadership said, hey, we love you, brother. But you don't got this gift. Uh, you were wrong about this. So, uh, you know what? Let's find out what your gifts are, and let's not misrepresent the Lord. And I think that's what oftentimes happens, and then you kind of create an atmosphere where everyone's looking for a special word versus saying, listen, let's get into God's general word. Let's get excited about the word of God that we know that is written versus, boy, is someone going to sell me something today so I feel special? Man, God's word is all we need to, to feel special. Now, there's times he gives specific words. I've gotten a lot of them over the years. A small percentage of them have come to be true. Others were just like some guy talking or whatever. So, you know what? We need to test those things. And I think when you get into a, a, a place where everyone's getting those, but none of them are coming about, someone better step up and, like, regulate that in, in, in the Word of God, especially the leadership, because they're going to give an account for it. Because oftentimes it does great damage, because these guys are talking, thus saith the Lord, it doesn't come about, and it shipwrecks people's faith. Why didn't that come about and so forth? So it is a great question, and there's a lot of that today. Even in the text, he says, beware of false prophets. So we need to test things, and, uh, you know, not, not with a critical spirit, not, you know, God hasn't called us to evil suspicions, but we touched on it Sunday that we should all be in that place where we understand uh, we're all called to test all things according to the Scripture and if you get bent out of shape, if you're claiming yourself to be a prophet and we're like, we're going to vet you because the Bible even says let two or three prophesy and let the others judge. We're going to sit back and judge what you're saying. Is this biblical? Is this coming about? And if we would just do that, all of this could get cleaned up overnight. But unfortunately, this stuff oftentimes, again, it's put up with, like we read earlier. We got to put up with this because we don't want to offend Brother Joe, even though he's running around giving a false prophecy to everybody because he's tied into the church and he works on the church bus, that kind of thing. No, nip it in the bud. Hopefully Joe will repent. Is that the word, the name I use? And, and good things will come out of it because a lot of this is just people needing to learn and so forth and it talked about and, and uh, so forth. So hopefully that helps. That's a really good question. And, uh, but let's make sure we are with that again because counterfeits are there because there's a legit thing and we do want to be praying that, and lord let us pursue love and desire spiritual gifts especially that we can prophesy listen when you go to work and, and even when you say hey i i got a tr you know what I, I got a little booklet for you it's about the lord that that, that could be said with a prophetic utterance and great love that someone would look in your eyes and see that you care about them and they would receive it and, and, and actually take it and look through it or it open a conversation to talk to you about the Lord. That's, that's prophecy. And, and again, it's rooted in biblical truth and love, and, and, and uh, we should biblically be asking for that. So let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we bless you tonight. We give you praise, God. Thank you for just blessing our time out here in the Word. God, worship and fellowship. Uh, thank you, Lord. You saw us through the sound system issues, as you always do, Lord. Um, and God, I just, uh, I, I thank you, God, that you are on the throne, Lord, I thank you, and we thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ, and, uh, we want to pray in this day, God, that, that all of us would just get back to the good news, the, the, the word of God as written, and we want to pray, God, for just, uh, a, a, a revival in your church, Lord, a, a revival of Bible study, a revival of, 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 Lord, biblical theology and truth. And, God, we want to pray for a harvest souls, Lord. There's so many lost folks. And, indeed, Lord, you love these people. You, you love the most heinous ones, Lord. Uh, you, you love all of them, and you want to see them come to know you, Lord. And, 
again, as we read, that's, that's what's delaying your coming. So, Lord, let the gospel go forth. Let it go forth in our community. Lord, bless everyone here tonight. I hope they've been encouraged in these things. And if you're here tonight and you haven't called on the Lord, you've heard the gospel tonight. The bad news that we're sinners, that separates us from God. It subjects us to hell if we die. But again, the good news is that Christ died for your sins. He rose from the grave. And tonight, listen, tonight, right now, if you haven't already, you humble your heart and ask Jesus to be your Lord. That means you're turning from being your own Lord. You're you're repenting. You're saying, Jesus, I want to put my trust in you. I believe you died for me. You rose from the grave. You are Lord. You are God. Take my life, Lord. He'll meet you where you're at. He absolutely will. So call on him if if that's you, Lord. And any of that place, bless them tonight. Shine your face on them. And we pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name we said together. Amen. God bless you guys.